0: Amen. Well, we've been on a journey. We, we saw Jesus. He was saying, he has a parable of the, the shrewd steward, and he's not really commending the steward for his, his unethical actions, but he does commend the steward that, hey, you were shrewd in how you acted. And in the parable, the bottom line is, he said, the people of the world are more wise in how they interact with their people and their system than are the children of light. And so we know from Scripture, I think it's Colossians 1, chapter 1, verse 3, we've been translated from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves, into the kingdom of Jesus. And so I thought, you know, we need to be wise about how our kingdom works. We don't want to say, hey, the world's got theirs figured out. We don't have ours figured out. So we looked at faith. This is the first one. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Then we, we looked at the, the word, God's word, and the power of God's word. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and then we're going to shift to, to a, a topic that's connected to it, and just how beautiful God's Word is. I was reading about a, a gal, she was, she's named Rosalind Picard. Rosalind Picard uh, is a professor, it's Dr. Rosalind Picard of uh, MIT, if you've ever heard of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, a very prestigious university. And she started and leads a department there. And uh, so she's got some, some brain cells firing around in there. And, uh, but one thing she said, uh, when I was reading this article, she said, I never believed that God or the scriptures had any relevance for this life. She said, I really considered that people who believed in the Bible were uneducated, ignorant people. Maybe sweet, but unignorant, educated people. And so she had no need for God, no need for the Bible, no need for any of that. But then, this is my side note, this is not what she said. She made a really beautiful mistake. She decided, as an educated person who doesn't believe the Bible... I'd at least read the Bible so I know thoroughly what I don't believe. So she started reading the Bible. And again, she's thinking, this for uneducated non-thinkers. And she gets to Proverbs, and she says so full of wisdom, they had to keep stopping just thinking and pondering, which was shocking her because it was supposed to be mindless. She said, these are her words. She said, I thought it was a book of fairy tales, and I think that's a very technical term, so I may need to explain it. Uh, she said, a book of fairy tales and gobbledygook. Okay, that was her word, gobbledygook. And so I thought, that's a good word, gobbledygook. So she started reading this, and she finds out Proverbs just inspired her thought processes so much. And then she started reading this, and then, lo and behold, she starts feeling like, I feel like God speaking to me. And she said, at the same time, it totally aggravated me. And I kept hearing another voice inside me just saying, hurry up and get through this, and then you can go back to having a good life. Get, get this project done and move on. But she read through the Bible, and then she read through the Bible again. And then one of the students invited her to church, and so she came to church, and she said, the pastor said something. He said, who is Lord of your life? And I started thinking about that, and I thought, I've always considered myself to be captain of my ship. And that I thought, but could it be that God wants to be Lord of my life? So she actually said a prayer and asked Jesus to be Lord of her life. She said, the crazy thing happened. When that happened, her black and white, two-dimensional life became full technicolor and three-dimensional. And she said, and something she didn't know, she didn't lose her desire for knowledge or wisdom or education. She was more voracious after education and learning. And so she just poured herself into those things and just kept growing and growing and growing. Well, she discovered this, that the word of God has transformational power. And so when she was done, she thought, you know what? My life has been totally transformed by the word. And so she shares that reality and truth with people, the power of God's word. Well, I, I want to encourage that. Bob Kent, I went and visited him in the hospital, and in came one of the doctors. And so he asked the doctor what his religion was, and the doctor said, I don't have any religion. He said, I, I don't. He said, well, when you look up at the starry sky, he said, who do you think did that? And he said, Oh, I think there's something behind everything, but, you know, not God, basically. And I said, we think there's something behind everything, too. And we think it's God. And so he chatted with him for a little bit, and then he left, and, and Bob said, I've got two things I need to do. One, I need to convince him I don't need that particular service he's offered me, and the second thing, I need to let him know, I need to convince him that Jesus basically is Lord. Yes, and, he and he said, uh, I'll do that. And he's so confident as an as a evangelist to just sharing his heart with people and so bold, and, uh, but very loving about it. So the word's transformational. I, I want us to think about this. Do not miss the significance of the word of God when it comes to the structure and the, the functioning of God's kingdom. It's, it's amazing. When, when you open up the the all-time number one global best-seller in human history, right here. I think last time I read, I'm sure it's been more, over five billion of these have been sold, and they keep selling them. They keep selling them. I uh, was curious one day, and so I looked up, and um, the Harry Potter series, I don't know if you know this, now that's been very successful. And uh, she's actually become a billionaire off of that. And I forget how many of it said was in the series. She's, she sold something like, um, I forget, like 50 million copies. That's a lot of copies. 50 million. But the Bible sold 5 billion. And never loses traction. Because you know this, and I'm not picking on you know her writing, but that'll be... All human writing becomes yesterday's news. And then somebody else writes something, somebody else writes something, somebody else writes something. But the Bible never becomes yesterday's news. It's always hot off the press, <laughs> new stuff, and we're always growing in the Bible. It just keeps selling and selling and selling. So you, you decide, okay, I'm going to, like uh, Dr. Rosalind Picard, I'm going to read this Bible. and So you start in the book of Genesis, Genesis, the first book, and you open it up. And you don't have to get very far at all. You have to actually get like two sentences, three verses in, a little over 30 words, and your eyes will catch this phrase. And God said. And God said. And then God goes on a crazy creation journey, and there's like seven more of those. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. When all the dust settles of creation... Every inanimate and living thing, the starry host, the sun, the moon, all those things, they've all come into reality. All living creatures have been created, even Adam and Eve, by the power of God's spoken word. I want to encourage you to be very careful who you listen to and what you read because I was reading somebody and it was actually making fun of the Bible. This guy was saying, the Bible says they can't even figure out how to write the book. You know, just read Genesis and you realize it's, it's a fraud of a book. Read it, read it, and you'll discover. I just read this the other day. You'll discover that they're so poor at writing this book that you'll find out that God created light before there was the sun, the moon, and the stars. Basically, any idiot would know that he had to create those things first before there would be light. But I thought, guess what? This guy, I'm not saying he's an idiot, but he's ignorant. Because the whole concept and the beauty of that is It's not the sun and the moon and the stars that give light. God is light. And so he could release light before any of those things ever existed. And the Bible says, although there will be, I believe, a sun and a moon and the stars, the Bible says we will have no need of the sun and the moon and the stars because the light of Jesus will light up everything. Isn't that amazing? We serve an incredible God. So just be very careful that you don't read something. Oh, wow, I never thought about that. There can't be light without the sun. There can't be when God is, when God's in it. There's about four major things the Bible says God is this. I'm sure there's many more, but four things the Bible records. And one of them is God is light. He is light. So you break into this, you see creation, you see how his kingdom works, you see how things happen by spoken word. When you read that and God said... He could have thought, and I'm sure he did. He could have imagined, and I'm sure he did. He could have written, and he has. But of all the things he wanted to communicate to us, and this wasn't a mistake, he communicated the power of the spoken word. And God said, said. He's showing us, here's how the kingdom works. Here's how my system works. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the what? Word of God. The worlds were formed by the word of God. If we go to Hebrews 11.3, it says this. It says, the Son is the radiance. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. In other words, he he's reflects the Father. An exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his what? Powerful word. So we see the world was framed and created by the word of God and the word's upheld and sustained and keeps life by the word of God, the power of the word of God. It's how he created it. Let's look at another set of verses. These These are wonderful. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Isaiah 55, God's giving you an example to tell spiritual truth. Isaiah 55:10 through 12. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, just a little side note, not heaven where the angels live. In the Bible, it talks about three heavens, which is a very common way to speak, you know, a few hundred years ago. We would say, all oh, the birds are flying in the heavens. I looked up into the heavens. We didn't mean actually where God's throne is and where the angels are. But the atmosphere around the earth is the first heaven. Outer space is the second heaven. And the third heaven is the abode of God. So here it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish. God's going to make a connection here. So that he yields seed for the sower, the farmer, bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. I want you to see the connection here. What does the word of God do? The word of God causes things to bud and flourish. Do you want some area of your life to flourish? Get a hold of the word of God. Allow the word of God to take root in your life. See, even a lot of believers consider a lot of things in the Word of God just optional. Now, I, I get that to some, under, some degree when you think of, of things of the law. We're not under the law anymore. But the Christian life, the, the new covenant life, the words that we read in our New Testament are, are teachings for us to help us grow. And God's not trying to steal anything from you. You had just a little reminder. I give this public service reminder quite often. You don't have anything he has to have. You could reject him, you could walk away from him, you could say he doesn't exist. He's not going to be any less God. He loves you, he passionately loves you, he wants you to be in relationship with him. And when you are and you are doers of the word, James the brother of Jesus said, those that do the word, they shall be blessed in all their deeds. There's this flourishing that comes from the word of God. And it brings food and health. And the seed for the sower is something you pass along to other people. The farmer doesn't consume everything that he sows. In fact, very little of it. It's it's for others. And says, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to be empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's the power of the word of God. So, now here's the difficult thing for us to grasp. But we need to grasp it. We've been delivered from the dominion of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's what happens if you are a Christian. That's what's happened. And the hard thing for us to grasp is that that's how God functions, and God gives us a pattern for how we should function. Now, Satan, and yes, there literally is a Satan, the devil who opposes all the virtues and all the behaviors of God. In fact, nothing would make him happier if you just trashed all of God's virtues and behaviors and decided to do the opposite of them. So God's not interested in you grabbing hold of the virtues and the behaviors of God. And so Satan does not want the word of God to take root in you. He doesn't want to germinate. He doesn't want it to grow. Because when it grows, flourishing starts to come. Life starts to come. Food and blessing starts to come. And so these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, when the sower, that could be the preacher, the teacher, any of us, we could be by a water cooler sharing, talking about Jesus or the word of God. doesn't have to be in a church setting. When that word gets sown, Whoever does that, immediately, this is the words of Jesus, immediately Satan comes to steal that word from our hearts. Immediately. Why? Because he doesn't want the word to take root because he knows the word of God's transformational. Jesus goes on to say that when we get the word of God and we retain it, we start practicing the word of God, that it produces a harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100. I think the King James says some 30, some 60, some 100 times that which was sown. Now, I've said this wrong many, many times, and I'll probably do it again. I I catch myself later. I will often talk about percentages. So I will say, oh, my goodness, if you invest some money, if you got 30% off of everything you ever invested, would you think that's pretty good? Yeah. Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. But the truth is, it's not percentage, it's times. Let me explain the difference. If I invest $10 and get 100% return on it, that's $10. So I now have 20 bucks. If I invest something, $10, by the way, the parable is not about money, but just so we can grasp this, if I invest $10 and I get 100 times more, you remember math? 10 times 100 equals 30? That, okay, just, some of you are going, yeah, yeah, no, that's wrong. 10, 10 times 100 is 1,000, so that'd be 1,000. You get that 100% is not as good as 100 times. And so God is extremely abundant and generous and gracious, and so the word of God has this incredible return on investment. And again, the topic's not on money. I believe God wants to bless us financially so we can be a blessing, but that's not the topic here. The topic is we're going to receive a harvest of righteousness, Jesus says, a harvest of righteousness, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. That's found in Mark four fifteen, by the way. And so, I want us to shift today because we're seeing how how God set up his kingdom, how he works, how he operates, how he creates, how he forms. And so, now we're going to shift it to us. And so, I just decided to call this the power of my words. The power of my words. Not just God's words, but my words. So, I hope we're ready to be doers of God's word. The Bible says we are, not hearers only. We'll be blessed in all of our deeds. And so I want us to think through a process because I see this disconnect a lot. Let me ask you this. Do you believe God was sincere and he meant it when he said, I want you to love like I love? Yeah. I want you to forgive like I forgive. I want you to be gracious and kind like I'm gracious and kind. We read those things and we say, yeah. What about when Jesus taught? When he taught this message, you think he was just kind of like, hey, I need a little cool message for today that people remember for generations? And so he thought, oh, this would be good. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Uh, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Is that just a pretty little cute message, or did Jesus want us to actually do those things? He did, didn't he? He wants to actually do those things. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's a lot prettier to preach about than it is to try to live it out. I can tell you that. So, Jesus really meant that. Well, if he meant that, wonder what else he would like for us to do. Because when I look at those things, I say, I can promise you, I'm not going to bless those who curse me in my own steam. I'm not going to love my enemies in my own steam. So, how am I going to do this? And the conclusion we'll all come to is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That the, the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad. You can look up that word for shed abroad. It literally means exploded in your heart. The love of God has been exploded in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, is the only, he's the only entity that can give us the ability to love like that, to forgive like that, to care like that, to be kind like that, is the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Ephesians 5.1. It says, imitate God, therefore, in what? In everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Imitate God as dearly loved children. Children love to imitate their parents. Now, I do want to put some disclaimers on this in a certain age group. Okay, you got that? Now, my kids are older, so they made the whole loop. You know what I mean? But when they're younger, it's really interesting because when they're five or six, they just want to imitate you, and they want to be around you, and you're the greatest thing in the world. You just took them to the amusement park. You just took them shopping. You took them out for ice cream. You're the greatest thing in the world. You're the smartest person in the world. Dad, what's that? That's corn. Oh, my gosh, my dad knows everything. He's just, it's, just like, it's like, oh, my goodness. And so they want to imitate you. I wanted to imitate my dad. My dad was a smoker. I took up smoking at four years old. He would smoke, he'd flip the butt out into the yard, and I would dash out there and take a couple hits off of it. And um, I, I, if you've heard the story, I, I broke the habit at like five. So I want you to know it is possible you can, you can break the smoking habit. I think one of the things that happened that helped me was, was just like President Clinton, I didn't inhale. So since I didn't inhale, I didn't actually get addicted to the nicotine. So I didn't inhale, but I wanted to be like him. And so little boys always want to be like their dad. Now, again, I, I do get it. You get to a certain age where, you know, kids get up there and they don't want to, you know, it's kind of like, drop me off two blocks from school, I'll walk the rest of the way, you know, that kind of thing. But then they'll loop back. There's hope, people. They, they do loop back. But little boys are always talking about, my dad's better than your dad, my dad's stronger than your dad. One little boy said, another little boy, my dad can beat up your dad. He said, so what, so can my mom. Um, there's, <laughs> there's just, but we want to imitate, our, we want to imitate our, our parents. So that's what this verse is about. Imitate God like little children want to imitate their parents. But where do we go from here? If we're supposed to love like Jesus loved, forgive, live, pray, treat others, be kind, be tender, be gracious, and we all say amen, 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 and then we say, oh, and by the way, while we're at it, let's imitate God by using our speech to have transforming power. Well, now that's just a little crazy out there. I mean, that's that's a God thing. First of all, everything I've listed is a God thing. You won't be able to do any of this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So we look at these things and we kind of draw a line and say, again, I'm supposed to love like Jesus loved. I'm supposed to forgive like Jesus forgave. I'm supposed to be kind like he's kind. And, but then we talk about power, moving in power. Use your words to have creative power. By the way, I'm not talking about superstition. I'm not talking about, you know, that you bully anything to happen. You're just being like God. You're using your words for good. We can be like Jesus, he said. So we say, well, then can we lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Sure. Now, here here it is, because I get this. If I say I'm going to forgive like Jesus forgave, you can't see whether I'm doing that or not. So you can't see how successful or how poorly I'm doing that. But if I lay hands on a sick person, and you see them a month later and a year later, and they're still sick... I can feel like my failure was evident. I didn't do that. But you know what? Just put it all on God. Just put it on. You're not going to forgive like Jesus forgave unless he helps you. You're not going to pray for the sick and then be blessed unless he helps you. You're not going to speak with, with authority and power unless the Holy Spirit empowers it. So everything in our lives is just all about God help us. But I believe we're supposed to do these things. And there, it's not too big for us with the Holy Spirit. It takes God. Otherwise, in our own steam, we cannot do any of it. Are you with me? We can't love, we can't forgive, we can't do any of that without God's help, just like we can't pray for the sick, just like we we can't save anybody. Has anybody ever realized that? We can't save anybody. We may be able to preach a salvation message. That's it. Unless God shows up, it's just a bunch of words. So we have to trust God for everything. Everything, everything, everything. And if you have not tried to bless somebody who every word that comes out of their mouth is a curse towards you, then you don't know how hard it is. If you, have not, if you have not tried to love an enemy, you don't know how hard it is. So it all takes the power of God. So we need to be imitators of God in every area of life that we see. Imitators of God. Now, we may say, I'm not sure God really cares that much about our words. I mean, and, and by the way, I really do mean this. I'm, I'm not superstitious with my words. I'm not fearful. If I say something... I shouldn't have said that. Is not life-giving. I don't get all scared. Oh, my goodness, I, I wonder what's going to happen to me. I'm not asking you to live that kind of life. That's silly. But I think we should watch what we say. Let me tell you what Jesus thought about it. In Matthew 12, 36, he says this. But I tell you that everyone will give account on the day of judgment for, what's the next word? Every. They'll, they'll give account on the day of judgment for every empty. I put a little asterisk by that every empty word they have spoken. So if you just look this up in a a Bible dictionary or your Strongest Concordance, you will find that synonyms for this word, this Greek word that we translate empty, and different translations will use different ones. You'll give account of the day of judgment for every empty, idle, lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, injurious, useless, careless thing that comes out of your mouth. Now, because we're so judgment oriented, I always have to say this because people think, "Oh my gosh, I said I said all kinds of injurious, careless, thoughtless things." So I'm not going to go to heaven and say anything about that. But I do believe God is a super rewarder, and when we speak right, there's rewards to that, and when we don't, there's a loss of reward for that. I don't believe you, you lose heaven. Now I I can do this. I can say wrong things, I've said lots of them, you probably have too. Most of it comes from, uh, if I get comfortable with you, I I will joke more, and then it's usually my joking that gets me in trouble, that's usually it, it's true. I remember one lady called up years ago and wanted to talk to Darlene, she was saying negative things about men, just bantering around, I thought we were just kidding, and I said, man, it's not us men, it's you women, next day I heard us... Just have darling, call me. When she get? Oh, my goodness. I said, hold on, hold on. So, a careless, thoughtless word came out, and I had to apologize to her, and, and uh, you know, we were fine with that. My brother had been struggling with the health issue for quite a while, and they couldn't figure out what it was. He calls me up one day, and I know he's been to the doctor. And I said, hey, you been to the doctor? And He said, yes, I have. And I said, are you in a better, or do I need, do I need to prepare a funeral service? He said, I, I have uh, esophagus cancer. And... Uh, I went, oh, now I don't know if you've ever said something stupid like that, and then they tell you the guy got esophagus cancer. I was just thinking the Lord is my brother that I said that to. And I said, I am so sorry. And his kind word to me was, I would expect nothing different from you. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so I apologize. By the way, that was many years ago. He's had, got an operation. He's been healthy and well. Uh, but um, that's probably 15 years ago. But, uh, those are careless, idle words. I also believe, and I mean this, in the power of forgiveness. So I believe in telling that person and the Lord I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just sorry for that careless, idle, injurious word that just came out of my mouth. So, by the way, I'm after service, I would appreciate that you don't come up to me and say, That's not all. Tracy, you told me this once, you told me that once, you told me this once. I go, Okay, you know, I write all this down. I spend the week apologizing to people. Uh, I still remember my kids one time. I just had a, I uh, felt like I needed to do this, so I pulled each one of them in. I, I told Sean, my oldest, I said, Sean, I said, uh, you know, and I, I apologize for the things I knew I'd done, like where every parent has punished a child unjustly or found out that they were wrong. I apologize for everything I knew, and my son Sean's just kind of like, you know, this is a big waste of time, but, you know, if it's meaningful for you, go ahead. I mean, he was probably like 10 or 12, and then I pull in uh, Mitch and tell him that, and we talk about, you know, an issue or two, and then I pull in Caressa, and I talk to her, and I say, Cressa, you know, here, I remember I did this and this and this, I just want to apologize for that, it was wrong, and da 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 and I, and I ask everyone at the end, is there anything else? And Sean said no, and I think Mitch said no, or maybe there's some. I asked Chris, is there anything else? She said, a matter of fact, there is. And so she had a little, she had like a, I went, "Woo! okay. Well, I'm glad she said it, though, and we got it, got it dealt with. So we got to watch those things come out of our mouth and what people might remind us, you need some more work yet. And we all do. We're all growing. It sounds like God's serious about this thing. You're going to give account for every idle, empty, careless, injurious word you've spoken. And then we look at Proverbs, and we see Proverbs 18, 20, 21, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. We even know that in a natural way. You know there's things that people have spoken to you that took the air out of you just like that. I don't know if you've ever had a, a, a wonderful moment. But one time years ago, they had a pastor appreciation here. And by the way, I feel totally appreciated. And I've been appreciated so many times. And you appreciate me so much. I'm, I'm very happy. And... Uh, this is probably my eighth year or so here, Pastor Appreciation. I just felt, you know, I was riding high, and then somebody came out, and I really loved the person. They've gone on to be with the Lord, and they came out, and immediately after Pastor Appreciation, they started telling me all the things I needed to do and things that weren't right, and da And I remember looking at them and saying, because I knew them well, I said, "Could you just have held that till tomorrow?" I mean, you know, I was kind of floating high there for a minute. And you, could have you waited till tomorrow? But uh, and then they were like, "Yeah, I probably should have waited till tomorrow." So we've all felt that life just go out of us because of an injurious word that was spoken. And we've all felt the buoyancy of a well-placed word that somebody said something kind to us. And we really felt the life that it gave to us. Words are powerful. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So how does this work? You need to be saying to yourself, I'm going to eat My words. If you'll get the mindset that you're going to eat your words, you'll watch the words that come out of your mouth because you'll want to eat sweet words, tasty words, words that bless. You'll want to, you'll be saying, Praise God, I hope I eat every word that comes out of my mouth because you're watching the words that come out of your mouth. So we need to practice that. I teach on this regularly because I believe it's very important. When I teach on this, there's just something about hearing a fresh teaching that your mind gets more focused on. So for the next week, I'll watch my words, and I'll be going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I, because I, I feel like I'm pretty good at this, but after a week, you'll go, wow, yeah, I still need some more work on this. And you'll have to, you know, notch it up a little. But that's fine. We keep growing. We keep learning. Also, I want to tell you, this is what you're trying to not do. I want to just put, this is a Facebook post that I see these types of things with regularity. So let's throw that Facebook post up there. You ever read something like this? This written from a Christian who really loves the Lord, really going to heaven. And they write, well, if it's not one thing, it's another. My life has always been one step forward and two steps back. I just put tires on my car and then it breaks down. I got a job that barely makes ends meet like all of my jobs have been. They're thinking of cutting back at work and if they do, I'll probably be the first one they let go. And there's a cry face on there. You've all seen that. Christians, people love God. And they're just like, wow. And they just, every time I read that, I say, wow, I just, I want that person to change the way they talk. And I want to say this, please hear me. I'm not saying it's a magic wand or a genie in a lamp. I'm saying it's practicing Operating in life like God operates, that I'm going to watch out what I say because I'm going to eat those words. What I, if I'm going to eat my words, I want to say this. It seems like my life is one step forward, then three steps forward. It seems like if it's not one blessing, it's another. Oh my goodness! I bought myself a used car, and two days later they gave me a new one. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. I want, That's the, that's what I want to speak. I want to speak some life, not death. And we don't have to be superstitious or, or fearful because I've seen that too. People who are trying to make a positive confession in their life about a particular area and then they get discouraged and people do. Me, you, all of us. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, I've been confessing life over this thing for three months. I don't think it's ever going to work. And then they go, oh my goodness, it's all over now. It's never, no, you're not superstitious. You're not fearful. You know, it's not like your three months of speaking the word of God Had zero power, but your 15 seconds of being discouraged, that's so powerful. No, the word of God's powerful. Just say, hold on, I'm not going to talk like that and change the way you talk. So, next week we're going to have prayer. Well, I don't want you to come up and say, well, he told me I need to watch the words that come out of my mouth. So you come up and say, hey, what are you up here in prayer for? Ah... I really can't say because I feel like it would be negative and it would be, no, it's not negative. You're coming forward because you believe God can make a difference. Amen. And so you say, hey, this past week I haven't felt well or I've been struggling at work or, or there's somebody in my family that needs delivered from, you know, drugs or they need to be saved or whatever. You're, you're just telling, here's a truthful situation that I believe God can intervene and turn around and change things. I'm not up here complaining or professing it will always be like this. I'm up here saying there's hope. That's why we're praying. So you don't have to uh, be afraid to tell them what you're up there prayer for. So here's our assignment for the week. I want you to pay attention to what you say. Then catch yourself and correct yourself when careless words come out of your mouth. Correct, catch and correct. And by the way, I'm not telling you to be scared like, oh my goodness, I didn't say something positive. No, that's okay. Just say, hey, I, I... I need to not talk like that or say those things. If you've never guarded your mouth or washed your tongue, oh my goodness, be ready for a roller coaster ride this week because you're going you're gonna to hear so much come out of your mouth. That's okay. We're learning, we're growing. We just, we put to work and we keep growing. We keep getting better and better and better at it. I encourage you this too uh, with the people in your lives. I mean, if you're parents with young kids, you know, this can apply to you, older kids, friends, whatever. When our kids were younger, we wanted to make sure we never spoke something negative over their lives. And again, for the third or fourth time, we're not superstitious or scared, we just want to be like God. And so, Mitch got in a phase of his life where he was like, awkward, uh, broke stuff all the time, spilled stuff all the time. This is not a, In one setting at a restaurant, he spilled his water three times. One sitting at a restaurant, three times. Um, He would drop stuff, break stuff, do everything. Darlene and I said, we will never say, here's our awkward kid. Here's our kid that if anything's going to get broke, he'll break it. Here's our kid that's clumsy. Here's this. We made sure we never spoke that out over his life. Because I'm telling you, people will get an identity of that. And if somebody gave you that identity, you need to unravel it. We never gave Mitch that identity. Uh, another time, I remember we were at the Grand Canyon, and so I'm telling everybody, I'm saying, hey, the Grand Canyon is not all fenced in, people, so, and people fall to their death with regularity at the Grand Canyon, so be careful, watch what you're doing, stay away from the edge. We get to the Grand Canyon, Mitch takes off running for the Grand Canyon, he starts tripping, and he starts going down, and he's getting closer, and he hits the dirt, and, and, uh, he wasn't quite that close, but I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm seeing this unfold right before my eyes. Like, you just picture, whoa. Uh, and then you hear, I'm okay. No. And I just went, oh my gosh, Mitch, you have to be careful. Well, we never spoke any of that over his life. He actually, in football, he played varsity football for three years, I think it was. He was a starter. He was, he, guess what? He was a wide receiver he caught many, 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 many passes, many, 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 many touchdown passes, and when he ended his high school career, he never dropped a single pass. Not one. Not one. There's a picture of him when they were playing Columbus East, he was with Columbus North, and there's a photo of him, and I, I couldn't figure it out. The fields behind him, got that? He's in the end zone, his hands are like this, and the ball's out here, which you would think that would be the opposite, the ball coming to him. And I studied that, and so I asked him, I said, son, what happened? I mean, I can't make this photo work. He said, oh, I caught the ball, turned around, lost the ball, it was getting away from me, and I re-caught the ball. So seriously, if he caught 100 passes, he caught 200, because he might might have lost it, but he would re-catch the thing (laughs) before it ever hit the ground. I really believe this, if he would have had a concept, I'm clumsy, I can't hold on to anything. I break everything. I, he would have never went out and played that position. So, and, and somebody might have spoken that over your life. You, you don't have to hate him. You can just unravel it, and you, you can catch it like, wow. Like, I, I heard a pastor talk. He said he broke bones when he was a kid, and he, he would say, if anybody's going to break something, he's going to break something. And he got to a certain age in his life where he had broken like 16 bones, And he thought, man, I confess that all the time. If anybody's going to break something, I break something. I break stuff all the time. He said he quit doing that. I mean, like 10, 15 years went by. He hasn't broken anything. Uh, So, uh, and again, I'm not saying, oh, he he waved a magic wand. No, he used the transformative power of his words. They're more powerful than you think. Well, I don't know about that. Okay, this is the last thing I'm going to do to try to sell you on the idea. You say, I want to be a Christian today. Well, he who believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth. Isn't that interesting? Confesses with his mouth. The power of your words, they're transformative. Do not take this lightly. This isn't a self-help message. In fact, I've read so many self-help books in my day. Anyone that's worth a dime stole its truth from the Bible. I'm telling you, stole the truth from the Bible And God's word's eternal and settled forever. So just watch those words, hear one wrong, stop, just say, hey, I'm not going to talk like that anymore. Change the way you talk, because that's what God does. God talks right. God's the God who calls those things which be not as though they were. He's a very positive speaker. Even in creation, he doesn't say, let there be no darkness. He doesn't call away what is. He speaks into existence what isn't. Darkness covered everything, and he said, let there be light. He didn't say, let there be no darkness. Let there be light. He calls something in to make a difference. So if you're not feeling well today, I'm not asking you to tell people, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. That's not what God does. What we say is, I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm the healed of the Lord. Because God doesn't call what is as though it isn't. He calls what isn't as though it is. So we confess health, well-being, salvation for our family. I don't say, they're not lost, they're not lost, they're not lost. I say, you know what? I believe in they are saved. That Jesus is going to touch their heart. So hopefully that helps and makes a little sense to you. But I want us to pray.